that biggest failure I've ever had has turned into my greatest success. How many failures have you had? And do you have a specific failure that is still crippling you or holding you back or causing you to struggle or be challenged? Are you still being held back by a failure? Welcome to the Do the Impossible podcast. I'm Jason Dries. Don't forget to join me every Monday for the Monday Mindset Reset. 20 minutes of mindset alignment on me every Monday at 10 a.m. Central. Sign up at mondaymindsetreset.com. All right, let's get this coaching session going. Let's talk about my biggest failure. That sounds like an interesting conversation, doesn't it? My biggest failure. Who wants to talk about failure? Failure? Ugh. <laughs> we don't like to talk about failures, do we? But we typically like to talk about them when the success comes after. But let's talk about my biggest failure. My biggest failure, which ended in a lawsuit, bankruptcy, and a bunch of other things, started back in 2008 when I started my first company. My first company was called 986 Incorporated. And 986 Incorporated was a company that manufactured, we designed and manufactured race car driver cooling suits, like these suits, because um, inside race cars, it's really hot. You know, they're looking at temperatures 120, 140 degrees inside a race car. So we had seen this on the industry today, they in the world, you could buy these things called a cool shirt, which is basically a, a t-shirt with some tubes sewn on it. What we had done is created a competitor to that that uses used like camelback style molded bladders and it was much more efficient. And it was the first business I ran and I had no idea what I was doing running a business. But anyway, I ran the business, raised about a half a million dollars in startup funding from one primary investor and some family friends. And we started building products and we started working. And you know, the, this was 2008, 2009. It was a lot of fun, a lot of interesting experiences about doing a business and a lot of experience about what not to do in business. We ended up selling a few hundred thousand dollars in sales. And it was actually during that same time when I've talked about the moment when I, when I first started coaching, it was when I was running that company, 986 Incorporated, that I actually hired a Tony Robbins coach. This was 2010. And that's when I first started to get into coaching. And it was literally like a year later when my coach, Michael Savage, actually asked me, have you ever thought about becoming a coach? And that was the question, that lightning bolt question, that lightning bolt moment that literally changed the trajectory of my life. So while I was at working a full-time job in, in the telecom industry, I forget if I was at Shortel or Advantel, I was still a full-time sales professional in the business telecom space. I was running a 986 Incorporated on the side with one partner, and I was learning how to become a coach at the same time. And the business ran out of money. And that was kind of like the ran out of money, had debt, had actually ordered a bunch of inventory, unfortunately couldn't pay our vendors off. It took like a year to pay off our vendors, but because I had ordered too much inventory, it literally kept us alive, even though it took us a year to pay back our vendors. We didn't want to do that. Um, so it was a lot of struggle with financial, financial challenges and getting collection calls constantly and dealing with that while being a new dad with a new family was really challenging. And we kept, we knew that, you know, we were trying to solve 986 at some point because like we got upside down, we had investor money, it was family money. My partner was involved, he was 50% of the business, but I ran, I, I, I ran it, I was the CEO and I raised all the money. 
so I had family money there and it was, it was kind of, you know, you don't want to quit when you have money of people you know. And we actually got to the point where we ran, we, you know, we just ran out of money. We, now we were, we were managing to function because we had inventory, so we kept selling our shirts, but we had run out of money. And we got to the point after that where the business was basically going to dissolve. And we actually had an interest from a company called Momo. Now, Momo is actually an Italian racing brand. They make wheels, they make tires, they make gear. And Momo had been acquired by some new investors and they were interested in acquiring our brand or kind of, kind of acquiring our brand. They wanted to acquire our IP, but not the brand. So we went through this process of working with them to to basically give them all the IP of our business and the brand, and then we get a profit stream. And it actually was working out really well. It was a very good lesson in selling a business because it actually took, oh my God, a year to do that. And while we did everything on our end, they didn't execute on theirs. And because they didn't execute efficiently and successfully on their end, um, they didn't do the things they had promised. They didn't invest in the marketing and the production they did. So basically the business kind of, kind of stopped and fizzled and died. And, um, and then we're kind of left here, you know, kind of sad, kind of heartbroken, gave it everything we can, you know, and this was 2012. It was a good journey, learned a lot of lessons, wish it had been done differently, worked really hard. And then what actually happened after that, the business, business had, had basically shut down. And we kind of, you know, um, didn't make back our investors' money, which was sad. And that was, that was a big failure that I still live with today. Um, and what actually happened after that is then we got sued. We actually got sued. One of, the, one of the funding sources, one of the investors that gave us the majority of the money, which was started the business with it was a chunk of 250K, was one investor. Now this investor was was a big into like amateur racing and he and he owned a, a performance shop and and he liked racing and he liked us and he was married to a bariatric surgeon who made a lot of money. So all of the money he was throwing around wasn't his, it was hers. The money he invested in us was was hers, but they were married, so he was spending that money. When we had went through the initial 250K and the business needed more money, he offered to give us more. And he didn't give us offer to give it as a investment. He offered to give it to us as a promissory note. And he told us at the time and multiple times that he would never collect on the notes. So there was an additional 150 grand of notes that we signed on. Like, and I was so delusional at that time. Like I was so fixated on success that I just literally could not believe failure was an option. I just, it just didn't come up anywhere. I was so naive and detached from reality. I'm like, we're going to be successful. We're so focused. We're going to do it. So I'm like, oh, we're going to sell. We're going to have this trade show. It's going to sell. And I was just guessing completely blind. And the really important lesson there was while I create, while we created, one of the important lessons there was while we created a very cool product, a powerful product, the best in breed product, we spent all this money creating a product for a market that wasn't that big. So, and I hear entrepreneurs talking to me about starting products and investing in new products and developing things. I'm like, you gotta make sure that there's a market for it. Otherwise it's not gonna make any money. And that was one of the few lessons we learned. The other lesson I learned that creating a brand is very expensive and takes a lot of money. Because everybody wants to be Apple and you do all that, but it takes a lot of money. 
The third lesson that was really good is it's very difficult to be the manufacturer and designer as well as the sale, selling and distribution arm. Doing both of those is very challenging to do. If I could actually go back, I would have simplified our product portfolio. Instead of trying to create four products, because we could, I would have created one product. And I actually would have white labeled that product to the industry incumbent that already had all the distribution networks in place. But back then I had an ego and I thought we could beat them. And I'm like, oh, we can do this. I didn't realize that the professional racing industry is like this good old boys. Like I literally called companies to try to try to set up supply, um, to set up soup suppliers with like Nomex fireproof material. They wouldn't even return my call. And these are manufactured for-profit companies because it was this good old boy business. So with all those lessons moving forward, I learned a lot about leadership there and I learned a lot about what it takes to be successful and what it takes to sell and operating in the right phase of your business. Because while we were in the development phase of the business, I was trying to sell because I wanted to generate more revenue. So trying to sell when you're in a development phase of the business doesn't make sense. So we were, so the, the, the leadership of the business wasn't really, and the execution and the direction of the business wasn't really aligned with the phase of the business it was in. The phase the business was in was really R&D, which should have been conserve as much capital as possible and how inexpensively can we get a profitable product going? That should have been the approach. But that wasn't the approach. That is my, my looking back on the past, what I've learned. So while 986 was a fun adventure, it was my first company, getting to the end and getting sued was like a gut, a kicked in the face. It was like getting kicked in the face after you already took a gut punch and you were fell on the ground and you were reeling from the gut punch and then someone walks up and kicks you in the face. And actually, probably it was more like getting a gut punch, falling on the ground, reeling from the gut punch, getting kicked in the face, and then getting stomped on. Like, literally, that's how challenging it was. It was incredibly challenging. Um, and I had just started coaching for Tony Robbins at this time. And I'm here as a new Tony Robbins coach who, um, and around the same time, well, that's a different story we'll tell another time about when I started coaching and, and the whole dog food story and that stuff. But we'll tell that another time. But really, like, trying to maintain my coaching Tony Robbins, yes, state every call when I'm on the phone and being 100% composed, 100% state in the right state for the coaching call when all turmoil and all this chaos and hap is happening behind you is really challenging to do. It was, re it was like ridiculous. It was so challenging, so hard. And it was a really stressful time for me and for Alexis. It was a very difficult time. It was one of the most difficult things we've ever went through. And, and basically what happened is after the business had closed, um, the investor who had given us the majority of the money, he and his, his wife got a divorce. He divorced her. And when he divorced her, he basically took the notes that he told us he would never call. He knew we didn't have any money. He knew clearly we didn't have any money. But what he did is my, my guess is that those, that part of their asset pool, he gave to her in some form of negotiation uh, in the divorce settlement. So then she comes after us for those notes. Now, there was one note for $100,000 and one note for $50,000. And they, the document said promissory note. We would have paid them. We also would never have taken them if he said he never would have called them. And that was the reason we took him because he said he's never going to call. He actually told us at one point, you guys should have told me you needed more money because I would have gotten more money before the divorce. He actually told us that. And then the divorce happened. And then basically 
those documents, which were promissory notes, um, in, in California, the statute of limitation is four years. She started collecting in about four and a half years, five years. And we were, we were cooperating as best we could. Um, they were past the statute of limitations on there. She had a rabid attorney who was billing by the hour. Um, we actually had our attorney actually had my, our attorney in the process had to file a motion for excessive discovery requests, you know, because her attorney was simply billing by the hour and he, and she wasn't paying attention because it was one of the assets he was trying to collect on. So that was what we had to deal with. And, and, and while I went through this process of this business that was exciting and it was my escape from the W-2 and it was this lesson in fundraising and, and, and a really important lesson about who you do business with. It was also exciting and heartbreaking and at the same time. And then to end it all, we literally killed ourselves doing everything we could to make this business successful, like sacrificing our lives, our families. Me and my partner basically worked I, over four years, I maybe took fifty to eighty thousand dollars in income. He took like thirty. So we basically worked for four years, almost for free, doing everything we can to create success. And then to have it end in a lawsuit was just crushing and heartbreaking. And 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 as I'm starting a new career in coaching, it was just like devastating. And. And it was really difficult to move forward at that point. And, and as I started, to, and well, I did, I, it was difficult, but I had no choice to, but to move forward. The interesting thing about this whole story of 986 and the lawsuit is that I will say it was my biggest failure. It was my biggest wish. I gave it everything I could. I did the best I could. I acted with integrity every step of the way. I worked hard. I faced every fear as best I could. And it just wasn't de destined to be. The interesting thing about this is this lawsuit. When the lawsuit started, I started to get communication with my attorney. And my attorney was on our side, but you know, I, I was making maybe 60 to 80,000 at the time, supporting a family of four, including two small children. And my, my partner, had a, he was, had, a, had a job and he was paying the bills, but he didn't have tons of cash to throw around. So we're getting sued and we're having to come up with legal fees. And I start to get to the point where every time the, I get an email from my attorney, I have literally like a panic attack. So I'm sitting here trying to do a Tony Robbins coaching session. I get an email between a session. I'm having a freaking almost panic attack. And then I got another coaching call where I gotta be, hey, everything's good. <laughs> It was a really powerful experience in state and emotional management I went through. And I told that story actually in a previous episode about how I discovered to change limiting beliefs because, but what actually happened is the lawsuit created this experience of emotional management, which led me to the creation of my belief change process. It was in those moments when I was getting my e emails from my, he's an awesome attorney, Terry, and and I was like, oh my God, how, what are we going to do? It was in those moments that I learned how the basic change of mindset. So literally that lawsuit experience and the failure of that business led me to the foundation of what I do today because the belief change process that I, that I developed in 2014, 2013, 2014, that belief change process was the foundation of the success I have today. It's the foundation of frame shifting, of the belief change process. Now it's taken me, you know, five, six, seven years, but that biggest failure I've ever had has turned into my greatest success.
how many failures have you had? And do you have a specific failure that is still crippling you or holding you back or causing you to struggle or be challenged? Are you still being held back by a failure? Because what I have to say is that that failure was a gift that you either learn from or you repeat. Which one is it? I knew, I believed that I was going to do something better than this. I knew I was going to be successful. How did I know? I knew without a doubt I was going to create financial success. I was going to create business success. How did I do that? I didn't know. I didn't know how at all, but I knew 100% in my gut and my heart and my soul and my bones, I knew that I would not stop moving and breathing until I did. Because even if you don't know how, a decision to drive forward and not stop is the most powerful frame you can operate from. What if that failure that you had that you're still reeling from What if you're actually in the process of a life-changing experience in the most amazing way? From that, you're just not in that part of the process yet. It all depends on how you view the situation. You can be the victim. You can be the victor. And I'll tell you, I felt like a victim for a long time. And I felt like I was beat down and getting whipped. And no matter what I did, it didn't work. But the one thing I didn't do is I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I kept going. So maybe you need to keep going. Where are you holding back? Where are you not pushing through? Where are you still holding on to a past failure? Because the road to success is lined with massive failure. You can view it as a failure or you can view it as the educational process of success. Because what I look at right now is if I, when I was building that business, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. All these guys are driving race cars. I want to do that. So I thought I'm going to make all millions of dollars and I'm going to be flying around in a jet and driving race cars. And I thought that's what I was going to be doing. And I wanted it really bad. But the thing is, if I had created that level of success back there 10 years ago, and I had become this millionaire jet setting race car driver. If I had done that, all of the stuff I'm doing right now would have never occurred. And everything I'm doing right now is way more satisfying, way more powerful, way more impactful, far more beneficial to myself, my family, my friends, the community, the world. It's far more beneficial than me being a jet-setting race car driver. So if I look at my past, my biggest failure was one of my biggest lessons and my biggest clues on how to create success. Think about that. Is that failure that you're thinking about holding you back? Or is that failure the foundation of your next success? Which one is it? You get to decide. It's up to you. I hope this has been helpful. I'm Jason with Jason Dries Coaching. Join me next week when we continue to dive into the evolution and breaking down the code for human greatness. Join me. Don't forget to go to mondaymindsetreset.com to join me every Monday. And if you want to start playing at this level of growth and expansion I do, get a coach. I can operate this way and think this way about growth and expansion because I've been in coaching. Get yourself a coach. Coaching will help bring out the best in you. I will talk to you soon. 
Bye-bye. Don't forget to go to mondaymindsetreset.com to sign up for my free Monday Mindset Alignment call that happens every Monday at 10 o'clock Central. I'll see you there.